Welcome to Living Water Radio. As we start the new year, is your glass half full or half empty? It's neither. Today, we're going to find out why. Twice. My name is Pastor David Birkenall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is an ordained minister actively focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, I'm filling in temporarily for pastors in the Los Angeles area, maintaining our yard as my gym, and I'm attempting to learn Mandarin Chinese. We are retired clergy and have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience between the two of us. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. Sally and I hope that you are having a happy start to the new year. Last year ended on December 31st, 2023, or 1231-2023, or 1231-23, or 123-123. It was a big day for weddings, I understand. Why? Because it would be easier for couples to remember their wedding anniversary? Because it was an unusual, random coincidence? I understand that the wedding chapels in Las Vegas were packed. In any case, there are three more reasons to weep over the decline of American culture. We are going to begin the new year with something to really celebrate, though. It's our baptisms. Baptism is not a matter of life and death. It's something way more important than that. Have you ever seen a glass whose water line is halfway between the top and the bottom? Is the glass half empty or is it half full? Most of us know by now to say that it is half full. We've been told that people who say half full are more optimistic, more goal-oriented, and more successful. So we say it because we know that is the right answer. But I think that there is a third alternative. And that is that the glass is completely full. It's half water and half air. Baptism is like that, only more so. Baptism completes us. What was broken in us is made whole. We who were no people are made God's people. Martin Luther, the 16th century church reformer, said about baptism in his small catechism that it brings about forgiveness of sins, redeems from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe it, as the words and promises of God declare. Water certainly is powerful. You probably saw the six-foot, 12-foot, even 20-foot waves and high tide that hit the coast along LA's beaches last week, and even higher waves up the coast that brought flooding to the coastal buildings. But That is nothing compared to the power of transformation that is brought through the waters of baptism. Water also brings life. I put a trash can out under the roof of our house to collect the rainwater at one spot. It filled to overflowing, and I will use it to help sustain the life of our lawn and landscaping. But there is nothing that compares to the fresh new life that is brought through the waters of baptism. How can water do such great things as it does in baptism? Again, Luther says, clearly the water does not do it, but the word of God, which is with and alongside the water, and faith, which trusts this word of God in the water. That faith 
is a gift from God to all who repent and ask for the living relationship with the one true living God for which we were created. Baptism restores us to our true selves. It changes everything. Most of us have been baptized. Great things have been done for us. But many of us don't feel any different. Why? The answer is found in the reading from the Gospel of Matthew that will be read in the vast majority of churches all over the world this coming Sunday in Mark 1, verses 4-11. through 11. In it, we get a review of the work of John the Baptist, who we heard about on two Sundays in December and again on Christmas Day. And then we see this in verses 9-11. through 11. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Did you see that? Jesus was baptized by John. If Baptism grants forgiveness of sins, redeems from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe it, and Jesus needs none of these things, in fact grants them, then why did Jesus need to be baptized? I think that the answer is, though it doesn't become clear until later on, that he didn't. Jesus didn't need to be baptized any more than he needed to be crucified, but he did it as a model of his love for us. Paul writes in Romans 5, verses 8 through 10, But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely than now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more surely having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. So, if baptism is such a big deal, why doesn't our baptism make us feel different? Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish Lutheran theologian and philosopher, said that the hardest kind of Christian to be is a Christian in a so-called Christian land, that is, in a place where the Christian faith and worldview are the norm. If that's true, then I guess it's going to get easier and easier for us to recognize ourselves as Christians as our land becomes more and more secular. But It's not going to be easier for a while, because a Christian worldview will be our culture's mainstream worldview long after most people have forgotten why. It's hard being a Christian in the negative view of the world, but we still live in a largely Christian country in terms of our values. Even now, you just have to travel to a non-Western world, non-Christian country, and then return to see how deeply Christianity still influences our culture and our values. But it's more difficult to be a Christian when it's easy to go along with a so-called Christian culture and to be affirmed by it while not really knowing a living relationship with Jesus Christ. That would make us countercultural. It's like being a fish in the water. How can it know water itself except by contrast with its environment? It's like the name of a book I read when I was doing competitive adult master's swimming before the pandemic on the psychology of competitive swimming called You Only Feel Wet When You Get Out of the Water. Most of us don't remember our baptism, though some of us do. 
It is done by God once for all time. Our feelings don't mean we are baptized. It is only the mighty act of God that matters. We have already passed through death into eternal life. And it happened in our baptism as a gift of God's grace. We don't have to feel it. We just have to trust it. We are, in the theme of a long-ago youth convention, not the walking dead, but we are the walking wet. Ross Duthat, an op-ed columnist for the New York Times, wrote a book called Bad Religion, in which he referenced the current decline of the Christian church in the United States with the observation that most of our wounds have been self-inflicted. Near the end, he says that the Christian church has found itself in decline and seemingly near extinction several times in its history, but two things brought it back, holy living and the arts. Paul makes the connection between holy living, baptism, and death and resurrection in Romans 6, 1-5. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. There's a passage worth chewing on in 2024. It holds the key to what we have to offer in 2024, and always new life. The cross of Jesus has won for us the crown of everlasting life, not through our efforts or strength, but as a gift for which we give glory to God. And what we have received, we share. The good news of Jesus Christ, the community of we who are at the same time saints and sinners, the joy that is a non-refundable gift, and the peace that passes all human understanding. This coming Sunday will also be a milestone in the church year. It will be the first Sunday after the Epiphany. This coming Saturday is January 6th, the day of the Epiphany. We are in the Epiphany season, the third season of the Christmas cycle, the one that reflects on what just happened. And everything that has happened has come through God's doing, through the greatest power in the cosmos and beyond, in the power of the Holy Spirit. The part about John the Baptist in our Bible reading from Mark for this coming Sunday ends with John comparing himself to Jesus in Mark 4, 7-8. through He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And that is the second way our glasses are completely full today. Our life's glasses aren't half full or half empty. We are completely full in the power of the Holy Spirit. All the church needs is the Holy Spirit, for whom one of the Bible's principal metaphors is streams of living water. May we see that power only and live each day in it only as God's people, the baptized. Come, Holy Spirit. Today, let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer, the one that Jesus taught us. 
If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments, questions, and concerns there as well and we'll respond to every one. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated, to open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship services they have available and support your church with your time, your treasure, and your talent. Pray for and support your pastor and church leaders as they seek to do God's will for your congregation. If you are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody, contact a friend or a relative, Google a local or national hotline, reach out. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time into the light. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly, avoid crowds if you can, and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. But most importantly, get your vaccines and boosters. It's the one thing you can do to literally save lives and get us back on track. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with. Everyone you meet today struggles in some way. Be a helper and encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together as we move into the new normal. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.